Hi there, folks. Liam here from the Red Light Hockey Podcast. We've got Chad and we've got a very special guest with us today. We are at episode 58. How's it going, everybody? And we got Blaine with us from the Habs Unfiltered Podcast. How's it going, Blaine? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you very much for filling in for Paul. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we also got Chad, as usual. How's it going, Chad? Doing good. Just moving out. It'll be my last last one from the East Coast. And I guess we're getting a nor'easter, which is something that happens here, but I'm it's completely foreign to me. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> and Blaine, so yeah. Blaine, Blaine, so you do understand Chad. Chad is from California, so he's not used to, mm-hmm. to all the snow and yeah. stuff. That just yeah. makes it even more delicious. Yeah, it'll be people really have no idea either. I see reports that say two inches, and I see reports that say a foot and a half, and I, I just don't, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So, well, a foot and a half is a married two inches. It's true. So, I tell it's my true. wife is two inches is this big. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, everybody knows it. Those are, those are great TikToks too. And people go out and like test how deep the snow is. And it'll be like their fingertip. They're like, yeah, it looks like seven inches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. But a lot you of hockey to married. talk about this week. Yeah, exactly. A lot of hockey <laughs> to talk about this week. A lot of stuff going on, some good, some bad. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a fun week of hockey. There's been a lot going on. So we'll see what ends up happening. But Liam, I'll give it back to you. So. Yeah, sure. Uh, first things uh, first. Things first. They did a jersey retirement in Boston. Uh, Willie O'Ree got his number retired. Um, he's a champion every game. He did a lot to help combat racism in the era, which obviously there was a lot, a lot of racism, and we're still not there yet. As uh, racism is still going on, league there was the thing that happened with Harabic and Ikama Abuba in the AHL, and then there was also the thing with uh, Jordan Subban and. Is it Michael? I don't know the guy's first name, but Panetta in the ECHL. Um, all racism needs to come to a full stop. Uh, there's no excuse for anything of racist act. And I don't really have anything else to say on it other than like, don't be racist. Don't be a jerk. If you're a coach of minor hockey and you see a kid in your team doing it, I, if I was a coach of minor hockey and I see a kid on my, I'm coaching, start being racist. He's cut from a, he's cut from a team. He's done. Full stop. Mm-hmm. But that's just my take that on was, it. Uh, uh, yeah. I was, so for those of you who don't know, mainly for our other podcaster here today, um, I'm a broadcaster. That's my trade. And I was uh, broadcasting an 18 AAA state title in California between the Junior Kings and Junior Ducks one year. And a kid got thrown out for screaming a racial slur at another kid. And it was so loud. This kid was 15 years old, screamed it and you know, it's it's past the point now where there's really any excuse. I hear people saying with Panetta about, you know, he wanted other things and he was calling him a meathead and it wasn't his intended result. And I think the fact of the matter is, and we all know this from being in media and being on podcasts, once you say what you say or do what you do, you no longer control the message. It's how people take it. So it doesn't matter what your intentions were. You can say, you know, there's cut and dry situations, of course, the one in Europe earlier this year where the guy was peeling the banana and like, that's pretty clearly, you know what he's saying, you know, the whole beating your chest and the, the meathead thing, you just can't do it anymore. And I think that's just kind of where we're at. Uh, I do feel, you know, you say like, do you feel bad for Panetta? It's not really. I mean, it's, is it a, is, is it a, you know, crappy situation? Yeah. 
I wish that he hadn't done what he did. And I wish that he was still playing in the ECHL because he earned a spot there. That's not an easy league to be in, but it's too late. And I think the fact that this happened on in the same week as Willie O'Ree's Jersey retirement is both appropriate and kind of sombering because this is still, and you know, as someone who's a little bit more of a wide angle here, because I cover all four sports and American media, at least by far, by far the most racist sport and the most kind of old boys club sport and the most just has the longest way to go. I mean, you throw golf in there too. And like those type of country club sports, but hockey's got a long way to go. And, you know, it's, you talk about Buckley and mama and what he has to deal with. This happened to him last year. Didn't it? Didn't this happen within a calendar this is year? The second time. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's a professional hockey player. And he still has to go through this. Imagine what a kid in junior is doing. Imagine what someone playing wherever, you know, it's just, it's, it's um, to all the people who say like, well, if you just don't talk about it, you need to talk about it because this stuff keeps happening at a far too regular rate. So it needs to be dealt with. I don't know what the next steps are. I think that as bad as it is, you really just need to start banning these people for life. I don't know what else. I know that's extreme, but I don't know what else because they gave Rabik 30 games. Uh, and um, Panetta got cut, but yeah. it's still, you know, is that really, I mean, Rabik's going to come back and, you know, he was a guy, I don't know. He wasn't really, so I worked for the Barracuda in the past and he, he was around then, but he was still not with the team full time. He might've been last year when I wasn't in the building because of COVID, but yeah, I don't, I would, I don't think he's played. Let me check. I don't think he's played an NHL game. He seems like kind of a, he's going to be a lifetime kind of tweener. So but still, I mean, his career probably going to be over. I don't know. He'll come back and play for the Sharks. But if he is that kind of in-between guy, he's going to just kind of exist in that margin. And what's stopping him from doing it again? You know, They'll fit in great out in the KHL. Yeah, exactly. I don't know where I'm at with this, really. But, um, yeah, okay, last year he played a game with the Barracuda. So he was in – oh, he was in the dub two years ago. Okay. So, sorry, I'm just, I'm just now looking it up. But, um, yeah, we'll end up seeing what happens with all this. I'd imagine, though, that hockey, the Hockey Diversity Alliance, the NHLPA, the NHL, they're going to have to address this again. But that's, that's my rant. So whoever wants to go on can now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you said it perfectly to me. Uh, Blaine, I don't think I have anything to add to that. Well, See, I grew up in uh, northern Quebec and northern Ontario, and I grew up on native reserves. So we were targeted quite a bit. So I completely understand where these guys are coming from. I mean, I pass hardcore white, <laughs> but yeah. I am not. So I, I've been, I've been subjected to a racial taunts and slurs so i completely understand how subin saw what he saw and took in the way he took it in so i i, I take him at his word that he believes he saw what he saw 100 mm -hmm. and i'm not arguing that point at all and i 100 agree hockey has to go a long freaking way to get caught up at, at least to put in a facade that they're trying because right yeah. now all they're doing is we're partners with they haven't really done anything to implement any of the changes the the hockey diversity alliance has wanted 
Mm -hmm. And not only that, but it, it is an interesting, and from a purely business perspective, I understand like the NBA takes hits for supporting certain social movements. It does with certain fans. And I think that the, the point that you're at though, is the NHL and a league like that, you got to take a stand eventually because the, you're, you're more than a league, you're more than a business. And I think that it's hard because the 32 owners in the NHL don't feel that way. And if you're telling them they're going to get 250 less fans a game, that's X amount of ticket dollars and concessions and merchandise. And that's going to hit, that's going to hurt their pockets eventually somewhere down the road, but it's about leaving here. And it's about, you know, maybe the NBA does lose fans, but they also gain fans. They, they get a younger audience. Cause I think at the end of the day, one of the things that is kind of redeeming about this is the younger generation. This isn't, this isn't as entrenched of a thought to them, right? In, you know, 15, 20 years when, you know, my generation, Liam's generation, when, when the kids are ours, you know, I think it'll be different than when, you know, it's, you're just getting further and further and further removed from that type of thinking is I think what, you know, I still try and hold my hat to is that it is getting better, but you know, it's going to take some time. I mean, it's something that in my lifetime, I hope it'll be very different than it is now, but that's still, you know, it's 50 more years. So hopefully they can make some changes from that. But yeah. I, I, I agree. And, uh, Moving on from that, I guess we can talk a little more about positive things in the world of hockey. Uh, if I want to talk about Keith Yandel breaking the Ironman record. He is now Ironman. Move over Tony Stark. It's yeah. now Keith Yandel. Um, that's, it's just impressive playing that many consecutive games without getting injured, uh, being scratched. He almost broke his streak last year because he almost got scratched by Quenville, but he didn't. So, um, yeah, it's, it's wild. I don't know. Uh, I'll kick it over to you first playing there. What do you think of uh, Keith Yandel? I don't know if you've got a chance to really watch him because I know he was like kind of never in a really big market until now. I've watched I've watched him play. I've watched uh, <clears throat> throughout his entire career, actually. Uh, he played up here in uh, the QMJHL for a year. So, But that was before I moved out to the East Coast. But he, nonetheless, I, I've been watching him since junior. Uh, that team went to the Memorial Cup tournament i believe they won the president's trophy in in the qmjhl so he's been uh, he he's been ubiquitous through <laughs> through the nhl and to see him pull off something so impressive to be the iron man in the nhl is a big deal i think hockey is probably the most difficult sport to stay healthy in for that long a period of time i know football is pretty tough and all but 82 games a year and playoffs and all of it. So it's a big deal. And the Doug Jarvis, who used to hold the record when he beat the record, he posed for a photo with, uh, with an old uh, armor suit. So what I'd love to see, and I think would be a great little nod to Doug Jarvis would be to see Yandel do the same thing, but have Jarvis in the suit. No, that would be cool. That'd be good. That would be very cool. That'd be good. Yeah. yeah. What I love about Yandel is he's done it for so long in a defensive role. You know, he, yeah. he had, he has some bad numbers at certain points in his career. He wasn't blessed with playing with the best teams, but he ended up, you know, he, he never really got his highest scoring season was 12 goals. He wasn't a goal scorer 
And to be able to stay on the back end for that long without really offering that much offensively from a, you know, scoring perspective says just speaks to him. And also, I mean, is there a better quote than what he gave the other day about when he was talking to Ray Whitney saying that any day with an NHL crest on your Jersey is a good day. And that, you know, it's, it's one of the things that people lose sight of with athletes is that they really are. That was, uh, that was Ryan Whitney, Ray Whitney. No, uh, that was, was Ryan Whitney. It was not. I know. Look it up. It was when they played together. It was with Ray, <laughs> but, um, but it was, it was cool. It's just a cool quote. I liked it. Um, but yeah. And also just in terms of like, I don't know if ambassador for the game is the right saying, but he is quite the character off camera, which you've seen because of Ryan Whitney and spit and chicklets and how they've, they've kind of sh- showcased him and, you know, the songs and thanking yeah. Carter Hart behind the net and all that type of stuff is just so funny that, you know, it's, it's good to see. It's very rare that you have a player, not necessarily that's not good, but is that good at being in the media and being around people and, you know, kind of being a goodwill ambassador in that way. So it's good to see, you know, I wish <laughs> Flyers are having a tough go of it. I wish they were having a different season, but um, yeah. still good to see. Still good to see. He's the innovator of probably my favorite uh, shootout move, the no move Which move. One? Yeah, the no move. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, I've scored at that. least two goals like that. There you go. There you go. Just hold, hold yourself up with the stick. Oh, yeah. dear. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, he. Yeah, go ahead, Liam. Sorry. Breaking news that just happened like live. Calgary just set a game record for most shots in the game. They uh, shot. They had 62, 62 shots on goal against Columbus Jeez. tonight. They win or lose? Yeah. They won six nothing. <laughs> it's a tough. <laughs> what do you say if you're the coach in that post game? Not only did you lose six nothing, but you gave up sixty two shots and you couldn't score. That's tough. Twenty shots a period. That's a shot. Yeah. That's a that's a tough game. I don't know. I can't say much. Now. I've been covering the Canadians, so <laughs> yeah, that's also tough. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm a Habs fan. I'm just gonna yeah. I'm gonna cry in a corner. Yeah, still, oh god, you guys are like falling, actually falling behind Arizona. That's well, what we Montreal's want, in 37th place right now. Yeah, uh, that's what go. we want. There's there's about five AHL teams ahead of them right now, so. They're good. <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Toronto Marlies are going to beat us. Sure. There you go. And then the <clears> Leafs <throat> fans are going to are going to choke in the first round, as per usual. Three to one. <laughs> yeah. I. You know what I really want? I really want the Leafs to make it in the playoffs and play in the first round against Boston. And lose. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Just I don't see up. how that's going to. I don't think that can happen though. Just because no one's going to overtake the Florida teams, but that would be nice. I agree. Well, I mean, I mean, if they were second and third, could it could it happen? Yeah, but one but of the I Florida think... teams would have to fall out. <laughs> yeah, mm. and Florida, Florida, and Tampa are probably the best, probably the best two teams in hockey. So it'll be it would be interesting to see. I'm rooting for Florida. I want Jumbo to get a title. I think he would be. People would. I don't know if they'd rally behind him to the same extent they rallied behind Ovi. But I think the NHL community wants a cup for, for Jumbo. At least I do, being you know a Sharks fan growing up and having him. You know, he got traded when I was like ten, and then all of a sudden he was just the superstar that came out of nowhere. But anyways, um, 
going through, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. We talk about it every week. Pittsburgh continuing to be kind of a wagon, figuring it out. Still on a six-game win streak after they went on that massive win streak. Lost a couple, and now they're right back to it. They're gonna be they're gonna be tough. Also, I would like to get your um your perspective on this because again, Sharks fan here. If Tomash Hurdle gets traded, do you think where do you think he goes? Because I have my thoughts. Where Ooh. do you think he's gonna go? God. I mean, everybody who's going into the playoffs is gonna want someone like him. Yeah, the power forward that can score oh, yeah. at that rate. Oh yeah, a big power forward center. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't know how, but I think Tampa Bay will probably pull something off to get him. You think so? I think I think Colorado. I think Pittsburgh. The reason I say Pittsburgh. Colorado is 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 Nazem Kadri. He has a re- reputation of you know letting the wires cross in the playoffs. So I feel like Sackers yeah. like, well, I want a bit of insurance. Yeah, but you don't give up a first round pick for that insurance. I don't think. The thing is with, with Colorado, so the reason I say Pittsburgh is because their window is undoubtedly closing. Colorado can still compete for a while. Colorado's got some guys on deals, you know, and they have, still have Taze, they still have Byram, a lot of guys they got to pay still. But they got a window here for probably, what, three more years right now where they will absolutely compete for a cup. And I think that Pittsburgh has maybe one or two. So I think if you're Pittsburgh, give up that first-round pick. I mean, I would say one or two. I mean, they did resign Carter today to a good deal. That, yeah. that, that'll, that'll look good for him. Two years at six and change. Not bad at all. But you can see them going there because they're not going to trade him into the West Conf- Western Conference, I don't th- or at least into the Pacific, I don't think. But, like, Florida doesn't really have a need for him. Tampa would use him, of course. The Rangers could use him. I mean, everyone could use him. But I think he goes uh, – I think he goes to – could you imagine, too, if he went to Pittsburgh and they somehow convinced him to play on the third line? <laughs> I know they wouldn't. Could you imagine yeah. that one, two, three, though, with it'd Malcolm be a Crosby to when they, Yeah, it'd be a throwback to when they had uh, Stahl on the third line. Yeah, like that would – you couldn't beat that team. You know, you'd be three deep with top pair centers or top line centers, basically. Yeah. So, we'll see. I, I mean, think it, he ends up in Pittsburgh if he doesn't resign. It wouldn't shock me if he resigned. The Sharks generally overpay and keep their stars. So, yeah. it wouldn't – it wouldn't shock me if he stayed in San Jose, but if he if he does, they're going to get a first for him, I think. At least. And yeah. No, that's the other thing. So last, I said a first, a B-level prospect, and like a third or a fourth. That would be my return for him. Is that is that too much, too steep? What do you think? Because if I'm, if I'm San Jose, I don't want a prospect, really, that's going to play in the next three or four years. Because if you're trading Hurdle, you're also trading Meyer, Couture, you're trying to get rid of one of those defenseman contracts. You're trying to trade all these guys. So, you know, you don't really want someone who's going to be ready in a couple of years. You want someone who's going to sit in the SHL for four years. So what do you, what would be your return? What would you want if you were Doug Wilson or Joe Will or whoever's running things down there? Well, uh, I'd probably want a little bit more than what you're asking for if I was Wilson. But yeah. if the pick I get back is a 2023 yeah. first round pick. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be enough. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll it, see. It was a 2022, a 2023 pick is worth a lot more than the 2022 pick. That's yeah. the that's the prevalent thought at the moment. Yes. Because is it because the draft is stronger next year? Yeah. Or just it's got more high end skill. Uh, yeah. At the top of the draft. And also, it'll be interesting because if you get if you got a Pittsburgh first round pick, they're going to fall off a cliff. 
there, there's going to be one year where they're going to be competing for a cup and the next year they're going to be in the lottery and like deep in the lottery. Gee, I, so I wouldn't imagine. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but anyways, it's enough Sharks talk. But um, the other California have- teams out West are, they're good, which shocks me as much as anybody. Um, Anaheim and Los Angeles coming in in second and third in the Pacific, both in playoff spots. Vegas returning to form and getting Jack Eichel back sometime soon is scary because they're going to be a force to be reckoned with again. I don't, something about me doesn't trust their goaltending still. I love Robin Lehner and I throw him in that same category as Yandel where he just lets it fly. He'll talk about whatever with whoever it seems like. But yeah, I don't know because part of me, Edmonton or Calgary, one of them's making the playoffs. You know they are. I, you know that that's going to happen, think, right? I think it's Calgary because Calgary is just on a tear now. I don't know. Ever since Justin Falk made the comments about coming to Alberta, he's just – they've been on a tear. Here's like the, the thing, last... though. If you're Edmonton and you get a goalie, all of a sudden you could be a pretty top-tier team. I can see – well, goalie. Yeah, yeah. yeah and if, if they get it soon enough. Mm-hmm. Well, because you have also if they get Kane, is there any news on that front? Uh, <clears throat> as of as of right now, the word is he's not going to be suspended, and yeah. Edmonton's in the lead. But nothing official's been released yet. But I did I, I saw Kevin Weeks put uh, put out there that the expectations by the weekend will know for sure. Okay. Yeah, and I, I hope, also I mean I've also heard they're yeah. going to be trying to get the Nick Deloria. Mm, yeah from Anaheim they do need some grit up in Edmonton thing is though is Anaheim gonna trade him Anaheim's in a playoff spot yeah I don't know if they want to because he's doing so well in Anaheim Mm -hmm. that's the thing is people talk a lot of smack about the the Pacific and I get it because it is by far the worst conference in in the league and like I'm not debating that but from second to seventh only eight points separated and that's fun because the seventh place team and the sixth place team are Edmonton and Vancouver, who the majority of the league had in the playoffs. The rest of the season in the Pacific is going to be nuts because there's only really one bad team, right? Seattle. I think San Jose is going to fall off a cliff too. They're playing way over expectations. So I think I think they end up probably around 10 games under 500. They probably end up with 30 or so wins, 35, 32 maybe. Um, and then Anaheim, it's like going to be Anaheim, LA, Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver fighting for two spots. I think that's going to be really fun to watch coming down to the end of the season because Vegas is going to be in there unless for some reason they fall off, which wouldn't make sense to me. But I think the big thing is Edmonton's going to make a move. If they get Kane and get a goaltender, suddenly they got that grit that they wanted. Also, someone who can score 30 goals with that grit. And they're going to have a top flight goalie because, I mean, Flurry's got to be up. You could trade for him, right? I mean, that's, I know that's the easy one, but you could trade for him. You could trade. You also need to have salary cap space. And as well, yeah. uh, Fleury has to okay any trade and he's not keen on moving his family again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think a lot of these guys for, cause it's a rental. He's a UFA, yeah. right? Yeah. So if he gets traded, when's the trade deadline? It's February, right? March 21st. March 21st. What do I think it was February? Anyways. So if you do that, then you're there for a max of, three months three and a half i don't know maybe maybe for a shot at, a, at another cup because flurry's i mean i say this he won the vesna last year but he's he's on the back half of his career too 
he probably would like another kick at the can and he's not getting it in Chicago. So if, if he could get that with an Edmonton or maybe even as like a rotational guy, if what if Vegas brought him back, that would be hilarious. But if, if, if they did something like that, but yeah, I don't know. It's going to be fun, but should we talk a little bit about the other Western division here? The other the the central, central? The, the central. Yeah. yeah so it's going to have four, maybe five playoff teams out of this division. Do you, yeah, actually, yeah. Blaine, what do you think of this? Do you think both wild cards come out of the central this year? It's tough. It's really tough. Every, I think everything rides on the next 15 games. I think if Edmonton can sort their shit out, they might have a chance at it. Uh, but yeah, the central is going to be tough. Tough to take those two spots from. Well, and you're going to, it's going to be basically, you're going to have it's Dallas. Or the field. And the field is going to be the third place team out of Anaheim, LA, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. Yeah. And I'm probably taking the field there. One, because the Pacific's a worse division. So they're not going to have to play as tough of games coming down the stretch a little bit. And two, I just don't trust Dallas. And they're also in that spot where they could start trading guys. It wouldn't surprise me to see Pavelski get moved and see guys you know, start to get moved. Yeah. Klingberg's not too happy there. So. Uh, I saw a rumor on fourth period this this morning that Radulov is on the block. Yep. And so funny too, we were, we were arguing last week about this because everyone's so in love with Jacob Chikrin and they're talking about how big the return is for him compared to Kling. Am I? And I understand the term and I understand the years, but Klingberg is definitely a better player, right? Am I wrong there? I would say so, but. Yeah. Klingberg, he's a UFA. He's looking yeah. for max term and max dollars. Whereas mm-hmm. Chitrin is a little younger. He's got more room to grow and he's got cost certainty at a, at a team friendly cap hit for the next three years. Yeah. Four years. Yeah. 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 So it's funny because it's just, I don't know who trades for him. Maybe like a Nashville, a team that, isn't quite there yet, but could use this as sort of a rebuild on the go type thing. But the thing is, is they want way too much. They say they want uh, a first, a roster player and a pro that's way too much for what, for what he is for what he is, because he's not, he's not, I don't think he's the guy that's going to take you over the hump. We were talking about it last week. I don't think he's a top pair on an, on a Stanley cup winning team. I think he's, the best number three in the league at that, but I don't think he's a top pair guy. And how are you going to give up a top prospect, a first round pick and another pick or prospect for someone who's not even in your top pair. That's what I don't understand. A team that I could see actually using him is Toronto. Toronto, They would. I mean, he fits their style, but they they really have no spine. Yeah. Edmonton too. Everyone keeps talking about Edmonton making a move because they have to, but Edmonton does spend a lot of money on that defense. So I don't know. Boston can use have, a defenseman like him. Like yeah. Good. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting because the thing with Klingberg is going to be a rental, right? Like I don't think whoever signs him is really going to really going to re-sign him depending on the team. But if you gave like a Carolina or a team that's kind of on that, like they're still, because Carolina, I think is still going to be good for a few years as Nashville. I don't think has reached the peak of their, their, what their team can be either. 
you give it to one of them, good shot. They can make something work there. So we'll see where they end up. But we already talked about the uh, the Metro a little bit. Man, it's tough to be a Flyers fan. My roommate's a diehard Flyers fan. He, he goes through it every day. Last night I, I came home and he said, he is 13 games in a row, Jeff. So franchise high. We don't like it. Like, yeah, this is this is not good, man. This is a, a tough streak to be in right now, huh? It could be worse. <laughs> it could always be worse. You could, I don't know how could it could be worse. Fan. You could be no, a Habs fan like dust. But see, the Habs fans have this blind faith that they're still suddenly going to be good somehow. And that's, that's the year. thing is like, yeah, no, not this year, but Flyers fans and Philly fans are so down on themselves usually like just on a basic everyday level, I think it's, it's almost worse because even when they're good, they're, they're still down on the team. So it's like, can't even enjoy the good times either. Well, but, Philly, yeah, they're well, angry when they, even when they're happy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm saying it's funny because as a, that was something that was foreign to me. East coast fans are brutal on the West coast. It's like the, especially in hockey, it's different because no one knows hockey players in San Jose. Like people could walk down the street unless you're, Brent Burns or Joe Pavelski or Patrick Marlowe, like no one's going to know who you are. Right. And uh, like, I was <laughs> shocking, but a couple of years ago I was on Santana row, which is like the rich kind of where a whole bunch of 49ers live there. It's a the Gucci stores. And it's like a really affluent part of San Jose. And I was walking down the road and I recognized these guys and I didn't really know where they were, or who they were, got closer to them. It was Timo Meyer, Tomas Hurdle, and like two other sharks were just having dinner sitting on like the main road in San Jose like outside drinking. I'm like, Oh my God, these guys yeah, are money, and, million dollars. They're NHL players and no one knows who they are. This is crazy. Mariale, <laughs> Mariale, they walk outside and they're like, and swarmed. Yeah. They go into Metro. It's a different attack by, uh, by Jean. Yeah, they know what their families Portugal. look like. Yeah. yeah. It's also just, <laughs> it's brutal out there. And I always say, I always yell at Liam about this, but hurts Montreal in the long run. I think having that, that fishbowl, really hurts because why would a free agent go there but who knows you need the right kind of person for that yeah well it's the same thing with uh this is happening not to jump around sports but in the nfl for a long time people were like oh they want to go play at lambo they want to play in lambo and get the the lambo experience and it's like yeah maybe they do but also they can go somewhere where it's not negative 20 degrees <laughs> and play the same sport so they could do that but it's the same thing where it's like Montreal has all the history and it has everything same with in the same way as Toronto. Like those are, you know, one, a one B for hockey cities. And I mean, I don't know, probably the world, but it's not one, a one B for free agent destinations. You know, like, <laughs> I can tell you that, but that's a, uh, I thought, I thought every superstar is selling in Toronto for the minimum. Every what? single one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, but moving on to the Atlantic, Aaron Dell. <laughs> Can we talk about that? He uh, Oof, bodying us with that question there. Exactly. The, the nice elbow. Elbow. Like an elbow. Like he got to get three. The the official suspension is three games for interference mm-hmm. um, on his elbow that destroyed Drake Baffin's ankle uh, behind the net. I don't really know what he was doing, but anyway. Bathurst yeah, was coming the, around to, to forecheck, and Dell just got in his way, in, ran a pick play, threw Batherson right off, ass over tea kettle, and he went in foot first into the boards. Uh, it's, a, it's definitely at least a high ankle sprain. Uh, 
they're going to have to wait until the swelling goes down. They're going to run a couple MRIs and they're hoping that it's going to be short term because Drake was having a hell of a season this year. He was about to go to the all-star game and that's all gotten taken away. It's, it's very yeah. sad. And I mean, the only, the only person I think is happy about this is Melnick because Melnick gets to save money somehow. <laughs> he's insured. Um, yeah. yeah the, <laughs> not so. I don't want to appear callous. So I'm going to say this aside from the injury. Cause I don't, I think we can agree. I don't think Aaron Dell was intending to injure there. No. Right. Like I don't think, yeah, I no. don't think he foresaw him going into the boards like that and was trying to hurt somebody. Cause there's no part no. of that in the game. No reason that should be in the game, but I like this. I like goalies getting involved like this because it's uh, the team I worked for was in the North American hockey league and their goalie was, he plays the puck and he's tripping guys and he's jabbing people in the back. And it's funny because I talked to him about it and I'm like, man, does that not distract you? And does that not, you know, like what, what's the deal there? And he said, one, it keeps him in the game because, you know, you get your bell rung every once in a while. It keeps you in the game. But he also said that he invited the contact. So he didn't mind people getting people running into him and coming in the, the, the net a little bit harder. I'd imagine that's Dell's mentality, too, to an extent, because it happened a couple of years ago with Mark Stone when he was on the Sharks. He ran him into the boards. But I like this. I personally think that a lot like in lacrosse, you know, the circle around the net, you can you, you can't hit the goalie if he's in there, but if he's out, he's a player. You can hit him. I think that maybe goaltenders, you extend the trapezoid out front. So if they're really like there, then you can't hit it. But if they're playing the puck, you know, I don't think you should be able to check them. But I mean, you can't just not hit someone because they have the puck in the corner. Like, what are you doing if when Martin Brodeur used to do that in the early 2000s where he'd stand out there and then just basically run the, the breakout from the corner? Like, if you put a body on that guy, he's not doing that anymore. <laughs> So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Liam, you're a goalie. You probably have a take on this, I'm sure. But I kind of like goalies getting a little more involved in the game. <laughs> I mean, I, I like it. It's kind of my style of goaltending. I, I model my style after Petre Kudwe and uh, Dominic Hasek. So I don't mind getting physical. But I feel like a lot of goalies don't like that. That just depends on the person. I'm, uh, but those so goalies I, can I also just not do it. Yeah, exactly. Right, like I just, it's a choice. Yeah, my my like I said, my two idols growing up were, were Hasek and uh, Rua. So mm-hmm. do what what you what you will with that information. But yeah, I I'm a I'm a forward when I play. I've played uh, for many years, uh, and I play at a fairly high level still. And I like being in front of the net. I love the battle, and I take a lot of abuse from a goalie. But the second a goalie leaves that crease to throw a body check, you are now fair game, in my view. I will flatten you. I agree. If, and in, in Dell's case, he's done it often. He's got a reputation for it now. Most goalies, you know, you, you give them a little bit of leeway, a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Forwards aren't going to come in and do anything. But Dell has now got a reputation for this kind of thing. So... Fair, he's going to be fair game in the next the next game those two teams play he is going to be targeted yeah i i think he tried to do it earlier in the year to pk suban and then pk suban slew footed them <laughs> there's an all-time reversal <laughs> yeah uh he's got a no, hat. yeah i think it's i think it's you know you say you played in front of the net you know as well as yeah. anyone like goalies goalies get hit 
it's yes, it's a do. lot more subtle it's usually a butt end to the side of the you know the, the gut or whatever i've it never is. yeah exactly <laughs> and uh you know that that type of stuff happens to goalies and goalies it's it's a weird position to be in because you have more protection than anyone on the ice both by the rules and by your actual equipment but you know <laughs> nothing gets the crowd going like a goalie fight i can tell you that and <laughs> that's uh they had one of those this year in the fphl which also the hat tricks are a part of so it's a uh, it's fun to see i like seeing the goalies get more involved i think you know if you're asking me if goalie should body check probably not but you know as long as goalies don't use it to take penalties because the worst thing in the world is when a goalie goes and stands behind the net and then flails when a, a winger touches him on the four check right i hate that but if Aaron Dell wants to go out there, yeah, if Aaron Dell wants to go out there and doesn't mind taking a hack every once in a while on the pads or, you know, getting, getting, you know, whatever, I don't mind it. I think it's a fun part of the game. I also think that in a year where no one's ever going to talk about the Sabres, like this is a fun topic for them. <laughs> like, not bad, not bad to get to talk about something else besides them being, you know, near the bottom of the league again, but not small enough to get a Shane Wright. Also, while we're talking about the Sabres, I'd like to congratulate uh, Jack Quinn scoring his first NHL goal. He's a he's a local boy for me. He grew up in the across the river from my hometown, on the Ontario side, the not not as nice side of the river. But uh, yeah, no, congratulations, Jack Quinn. I know you probably uh, don't listen to many podcasts. Probably too busy working out and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, good local boy. Congratulations. And uh, also, congratulations. Those videos to- are the best. What's that? Those videos, whenever they have like the parents in the stands. I don't know oh, if the, this yeah. one had it, but when the parents are there and then, you know, the mom's crying and the dad's, those are always so much fun to see no, the kids score their it, first it, goal it, with the parents there. His parents weren't, uh, weren't at the game because his goal was against Toronto because it was like, it wasn't his first game. It was like his 12th game. But this mm-hmm. game was against Toronto and uh, then all the have fans in Toronto. So, okay. There was just gotcha. uh, yeah. Sportsnet dudes. Good stuff. Yeah, that's, that's about all I got. I mean, yeah. the Sharks are playing the um, Caps right now. Hopefully they hold on and get the win. And one more thing Ooh. before uh, we leave Lane. I want to ask you, what do you think of Kent Hughes? Because Chad uh, last week said he didn't like him because he's an agent. Didn't like who? The Habs GM. That's not why I didn't like him. I didn't like him because he's not going to make any actual decisions. Because they hired him because he's French. And the other guy who's the VP of player personnel or whatever he is for Gorton, he's the one who's actually going to make the decisions. That's what I don't like because you're hiring this guy to fire him. (laughs) I don't know about French. I mean, yes, he's bilingual, (laughs) but apparently he's not Quebecois enough for some people. Mm. (laughs) Okay. Cam Tuerano. Cam (laughs) Tuerano. See, and and I think this is the problem. But uh, no, I I don't hate the pick. I just think like, one, I don't think it's as easy of a transition from agent to GM as one would think. For one, I think that's, I think those are pretty different jobs. I think you have a very good handle on the the money aspect of it, right? But I don't think that's as smooth of a transition. Granted, I've never been a GM and I've never been an agent. So I can't really speak on that with any sort of authority. But I just feel like that's not, that's not an easy, the easiest transition compared to someone who's maybe, I don't know. I don't want to get into that, but I just don't like the structure they have. I don't understand who makes decisions. Like the GM is out there to face the press and then he makes decisions in, in consultation with another guy that's not going to work. That's my problem. 
Well, so he's, he's there, the face. Yeah. It's there to confuse yeah. you. Yeah, it's, it's an illusion. But, but as uh, an agent, he, he has, he does like to have a lot of the, the, uh, the skill set that you would need. So, he, but he does it on a one-on-one basis with his players, you know, development, uh, training, all of that side of it. He has done that. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be, um, he's going to be very good for the Canadians on helping to build that development side, which is mm-hmm. something that the Habs have, mi- have been missing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, with the amount of money they have, why isn't there a skating coach? Why isn't there a skills coach? Why is there only two development coaches? Like, come on, you guys have money, spend it. Why, so why he'll is he a doctor there. 95 years old? Well, I mean, Dr. Mulder is the best. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he'll help on that side. And you have Gorton, who's there as well, who has the experience. And I see this as Gorton trying to recreate uh, the interaction, the type of uh, dynamic that he had with the Rangers when he had Davidson with him. Mm-hmm. So he's moved on to the Davidson role and Hughes has moved into his former role. So he's, he's trying to when find someone with, who has... When was he with the Rangers? When was that? Gordon? Yeah. Uh, that was, what, two years ago? Okay, so yeah, okay. He... I don't know if we're talking now or like back. Continue. Sorry. He, yeah. he built the current Rangers team. Gotcha. Okay. So he had a, yeah, John Davidson was there as the president and with Gorton there as the GM. And they had a bit of a dynamic where they worked as a team to, to do that rebuild. And I see Gorton trying to take that and recreate it, bringing in Hughes. So he brought in a guy who has experience in the development side more, which is something that Gorton doesn't have a lot of. So they kind of complement each other there, but yeah, Hughes is going to have a steep, steep learning curve. For sure. The thing, the thing is, is the thing that bothers me is that GM is such a huge, it's the most, other than the coach, it's the most recognizable person in the front office, really undoubtedly. And it almost seems like you're bringing him in with a two-two count. It's like he already, he, he, he already has his back against the wall. And I think that's part of the Montreal thing. And also just part of it. I think you said it yourself that he's, he has a steep learning curve. Like why? Gorton could do this job, right? If, if they hired Gorton as the GM, no one would bat an eye. He's obviously had the prerequisite. He's obviously why 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 can't he do this job? Yeah, but that's a ridiculous thing. You're one team out of 32 who won't hire that. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. But that's as someone who's from California. But that's the thing. It's it's like you want your GM who's going to be talking to the media to speak the language of the populace. So like let's say the GM of the Sharks. If the GM of the Sharks to hire a guy who can only speak Russian. Mm-hmm. And then he can't speak to the media and speak to the fans. Well, the, well, the San Jose fans aren't going to be happy. First of all, I don't think that's fair because how? What percentage of Montreal fans also speak English? Or I should say, what, what percentage of fans would not understand this man if he did speak fluent fluent French? I I honestly don't care if they don't speak French or not, but this is the yeah. Montreal market. This is the way it is in this market. They have to have someone who speaks the language because uh, there's a ton of unilingual Francophone fans yeah. in this market. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that, but I think, it's a I think that's decision. the issue that I'm trying to get at, but that's, oh, the, that's the issue that I'm trying to get at. And I, I don't think like your analysis isn't wrong. And I don't think either of you guys have like wrong points. I just think that, you're like saying, oh, no, this is why it is. And I'm trying to say, yeah, and that's the issue. 
And that, that's my an no outsider's argument. opinion, of course. Yeah, no <laughs> argument here. Outsider's but, opinion, of course. It is what it is. It just it's Quebec. It's it's always been that way. Yeah, I don't know. And it's also it, also now with the new laws in Quebec, it's also illegal to to have somebody in this position who doesn't speak French. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> There's no more bonjour high. It's just bonjour. Yep. Yeah. But anyway. So <laughs> yeah, I mean um, it's just it uh it is what it is. I just yeah. it 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 and, it handicaps you in a way I don't think you need to be handicapped. And I almost think you should do it the other way, where you have a guy who's not the GM who can face the media, because then that GM doesn't have that, right? So what if you flipped the jobs? What if you made the the what is Gorton's title? Is a VP of executive player? Executive vice president. Okay, so if you made the executive vice president the guy who faces the media, give that to the French speaking guy who can then learn from a guy who could be GM like Gorton, and then after five whatever years, whenever Gorton runs his course, then you have a guy Hughes who's learned from him who also speaks French and the media already knows. That's how I think that works better. Well, they kind of went. They kind of went with that idea. So the, did they? they always said the GM has to speak French. So mm-hmm. what they did was they went and hired the guy they wanted and just named him the executive vice president. Yeah. Then they went out and got a, a bilingual man for the GM. So they're yeah. And run. which is what, which is uh, we, we've been arguing in circles, I think, because oh, we're yeah. both, we, yeah. we all, we yeah. all kind of agree, yeah. but it's just, uh, yeah, it's just from my perspective is, you know, like I said, no one knows anything about hockey in California. So it's a, it's a completely different thing out there, but um, no, it's a, anyways, we've talked a lot about them too, but it's, well, we spent a lot of time circles on circles is a Montreal much. thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just a media thing, but, and uh, yeah. the last thing I would like to say, actually two last things I want to finish up on first. Um, first thing I want to say is uh, Duchamp. If you ever listen to the show, if you want to hear about other teams, play people more, who deserves to be played more? Stop playing Dauphin 20 minutes a game. I think that fell on deaf ears, though. Yeah, I know. And last thing I wanted to say is um, congratulations to Emily Castonguy, who got hired to be the first female assistant GM in the NHL by the Vancouver Canucks, which I'm still confused by this hiring because they don't have a GM yet. No, they did. They hired a GM. Yeah, oh, they, they hired did? someone like today. Okay. Yeah, yeah. right? But they Who hired her first. Uh, he was the assistant to Jim Rutherford in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'll look it up. Uh, just Swedish, it. Swedish name. It starts with a K. I can't remember. Off the top of my head. I was busy today teaching courses, so I didn't catch all the news. But uh... Nice. It says right. Jim that's Rutherford. It. I don't think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. No, he is the... Anyways, congratulations to me, Gastelgi, on being the first female to be uh assistant GM in the NHL and uh, I'd also like to remind everybody to please go buy our merchandise at uh, fatdave.ca and um, also where can we find you Blaine? Where can we go listen to you talk about Montreal? (laughs) So you can find my written work uh, at uh, thehockeywriters.com or recruits.ca I cover the Canadians and Laval and uh, you can find me online uh, on Twitter, Instagram under Blaine Pudvang underscore THW or uh, on my podcast, Habs Unfiltered. Uh, and that podcast has its own accounts all across uh, the social medias. 
as well as its own website, habsunfiltered.net. And you got a YouTube channel which uh, shows one of your hosts always working out, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Patrick Thank Alvin. Ah. Patrick Alvin. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Stay safe.